So I think if I would tell anybody how they could pull themselves up by the bootstraps, it's that if you're going to do anything, you really have to kind of go full force and you have to find out what it is that can get you there and realize that a shortcut won't get you there any quicker or any better than taking it day by day and doing the work. You know, you really just have to do the work. Welcome to Remodel Your Life. We are shining the light on women working in the trades and remodeling their life into something better. Join a female cabinet maker in California in bringing together kitchen remodeling and working with your hands for a living. Welcome your host, Camille Finan. This week's series is about breaking barriers, sometimes within ourselves and sometimes from the place we come from. Let's face it, we don't often talk about how much where we come from affects where we go in life and what neighborhood you grow up in, what jobs your parents have, what your parents' friends do how much you like your school or have inspiring teachers, how safe you feel playing outside or exploring, the friends you make or don't make in school, and how you move forward with the information you learn over time can all make a huge difference in where you end up as a grown-up. So with that in mind, I'm sharing a few stories of women that are showing us a different viewpoint. So let me ask you, when you think of an interior designer, what comes to mind? What does he or she look like? And I'm guessing that you probably don't think right off the bat, young black teen mother who also happens to be married to her high school sweetheart who is a young musician. It's certainly not the typical combination that I think of, and it brings up all kinds of questions for me, but I'm going to let Veronica share her story and how she came to be a guest speaker at the Black Interior Designer Symposium happening this September 2019. We will get right to that in just 30 seconds, but first, a word from our sponsor. This week's episode brought to you by a therapist. That's right, a therapist for your business. No, really, just last week, I was talking to a girlfriend at the end of the call. She said, you know, Camille, you are like a woodworker's therapist. I have gotten more clarity about my business problem and how to fix it in this 30 minute phone call than an entire year of trying to solve this on my own. So with that in mind, I'm offering a free 30 minute phone call to troubleshoot just one problem that is holding you back in your business or career. There's absolutely no pressure and we just talk and I help you move the needle and try to solve what's going on. This might even mean just venting about your customers or how hard it is to run a business. I'm here to help this community thrive. So give me a call and let's talk. Visit remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash ask Camille. That's remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash ask Camille. Now let's get right back to the show. Hey ladies, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm super excited about my next guest, one of the purposes of this show is to share stories that don't often get told and by people that maybe aren't super famous yet. And so 
you'd never know about the amazing work that they're doing. And today I have Veronica with me, who is an interior designer, and she is participating in this awesome event that's coming up. And uh, so I wanted to share her story with you. I think she's had an incredible journey. So Veronica, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. Yeah. So you are an interior designer, but it has been a journey. <laughs> yes, been, a long journey. <laughs> it's been a journey. So could you kind of give us an idea of like, you know, where you live and, and what started this, this huge long journey to become a professional working interior designer um, in Houston, correct, I believe? Um, I'm actually in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Oh, okay. Okay. But I definitely have had, you know, projects in other areas of Texas. I've worked on some residential projects in Houston and, um, you know, just quite a few things throughout the uh, Metroplex and in, you know, a few other states as well. became interested in interior design when I think I was just kind of going through a quarter life crisis or something. <laughs> I don't know. Just didn't know where I was going. I was a teenage mom and I had graduated high school with, you know, two children and really had no plan for myself in life. And I was just frustrated one day, rearranging my furniture. And my husband was just like, hey, maybe that's a job, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I decided to just kind of research interior design and realized the lifestyle and like uh, the creativity aspect and um, the different things that you could do with interior design, creating a world for people to live in. It was very exciting to me. And that's you know kind of how I got interested in interior design. So let's back up a little bit, because you said you had two kids when you graduated high school. Yes. So <laughs> how did that happen? And you still had the motivation to go to school. I mean, I, because I, from what I know of your history, it took about 10 years for you to actually become an interior designer. So yes. can you kind of walk us through some of the steps of schooling or starts and stops? And like, how did you do that with two very young children? Yes. You know, when my husband mentioned uh, maybe I should look into, you know, this decorating thing, <laughs> you know, because uh, we didn't really know that it was called interior design at the time. Because actually, you know, I feel like in the in the black community, we don't really know a whole lot about, you know, these sort of professions. And so just researching and learning about interior design, I thought I'd get interested in it and, you know, check it out. And um, in the year 2008, I enrolled at the Art Institute of Dallas and um, I was there for about two years, and I um, and this is about I want to say five years after graduation because I graduated high school in '03, and I just so happened to be pregnant in 2008 with my third son, and so I took a couple of years off to be a you know stay-at-home mom and make sure that he was good. I enrolled in El Centro Community College um, for interior design as well because. I needed a, to go to a more affordable college um, because the Art Institute is a private school. And so um, I enrolled there in 2000 and I believe it was 2012. I was there for two years. Then licensing laws changed about, you know, accredited colleges. From there, you know, I, I wanted to, you know, be a licensed interior designer. And the best way to, you know, kind of accomplish that goal was to get a bachelor's degree in my mind. And I just wanted that extra umph of education because I just felt like it was needed for me. And so I transferred from there and enrolled in University of Texas at Arlington and I had to start all the way over <laughs> when I enrolled there. <laughs> so um, it wasn't like I could just go in two years strong, but um, I basically had to start from scratch freshman year and um, spent four years there. I got my bachelor's degree in interior design and 
finally got my diploma in 2018. So from 2008 to 2018, that's been my journey of trying to get this degree and my career going in interior design. That's awesome. Well, I I love that you mentioned that, you know, in the black community, you didn't even know it was called interior design. And I I had a similar experience in the sense that, you know, I was never really great at college. I learned to be good in college and learned how to be a good student over many, many years, right? For me, it was 13 years. And, And I think sometimes people forget that, that not every family or place that you come from, you know, all the words and you know, all the language. (laughs) So like, I didn't even really know what college was about. And for me, like community college was like a big deal. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And trying to get, you know, straight A's in community college. And then there's a lot that happens in those years between, there's a lot of growing mentally and just intellectually that happens between community college and a university. And I think people really undersell that. Like there's so many things that are happening to you that you're learning Right. That it's sort of not valued very much. You know what I mean? It's like just the end point. So I love that you brought that up because that's actually more of the reality. If you want to get yourself from a, a certain level and really go up several levels, that's what has to happen. Yes. And um, you need those transitional periods. So I love that you mentioned that. How in the hell did you stay motivated? Uh, <laughs> I did mine while working full time and running a small business, but I didn't have three little three little boys. How did you stay motivated? You know, no one cares if you do your homework. Nobody cares if you go and sign up for another class. Like, how did you just have a lot of personal internal drive to follow through and keep going year after year after kind of getting kicked down and things not quite lining up? And yes, like it, how did, where did that come from? I think part of it was, you know, me just, you know, has, you know, the, the saying goes, I'm sick and tired of being sick, sick and, and tired. tired. Oh. Yes. <laughs> I think that's really kind of what, you know, hit. And um, I also had my support system, my awesome husband, who I've been with for so many years. He's, you know, like my high school sweetheart. Um, we've been married almost 15 years now. So he has definitely been like, you know, my my backbone. He's been such a huge supporter. And just knowing that regardless of, you know, who's out here, I know that my husband has my back and then I also had the drive, you know, to just, you know, do better for not just for my kids, but just, you know, for me as a personal goal. Like I wanted to make sure that I had something that I could be proud of as well as my sons, as well as my husband and as well as my family. You know, and I think I just needed something more for myself. And the only way that I could have more for myself is that I had to go after whatever goals and dreams it was that I had. Yeah. So what would you say to a young person that might be listening that sort of, you know, everybody kind of wants a quick fix. Like you go to an online school or you do this, you take one or two <laughs> classes or you, you know, like that's just not really the reality for me. Yes. <laughs> like There's just a lot of stuff that goes on behind the scenes that no one's paying attention to and nobody's giving you kudos for and nobody's giving you <laughs> likes or whatever. You know, what would you say to a young person that really wants to pull themselves up from a place where there's almost no opportunity to really the sky is the limit now for you? I mean, there Mm -hmm. are so many directions that you can go. Um, You have really given yourself like a chance, like a real rocket ship chance. So like, what would you say to a young person that kind of is looking, thinks things are going to be really easy? Yeah, I guess if I wanted to sum it up in a sentence is that shortcuts don't exist. Mm -hmm. I've learned that. Um, If you try to go, you know, because I feel like that's kind of what happened in my journey is that, you know, I I was 
you know, looking for like the best school, looking for the best education. And I realized that I couldn't get that from an online degree. Actually, I even took an online interior decorating course through, um, you know, an online college. And I thought that I could get somewhere with that. (laughs) But I learned very quickly in the profession that interior decorating, for one, is completely different from interior design. And the profession definitely sees it differently. And I couldn't get by on just a decorator's certificate. I needed to have more than that. And I wanted more than that. So um, there was no shortcut. There was no doing something quickly online. There was no just finishing this project really quickly for a class. I mean, my hours in school were 7 a.m. to 4 a.m. Like I hardly had any sleep because raising a family and going to an architecture school with a focus in interior design is completely different. There was no no shortcuts. <laughs> and, and so I think if I would tell anybody how they could pull themselves up by the bootstraps, it's that if you're going to do anything, you really have to kind of go full force and you have to find out what it is that can get you there and realize that a shortcut won't get you there any quicker or any better than taking it, you know, day by day and doing the work, you know, you really just have to do the work. Yeah. And sort of, I totally agree with that. And what I've found is that doing the work in the work, you become a different person. It's not, it's not just the certificate, right? Like you literally became a better version of Veronica. Yes, exactly. You grew in so many ways. It's just hard to communicate to people the value of the real four years, right? Yes. Um, Mm -hmm. It's like you grew into this new person that you're going to become. It's not just the knowledge. It's your brain has changed. You're like, literally like it's, yeah. So there's just so much in that transformation. I think that, that um, gets really lost these days with, you know, everybody's like, Oh, everybody's been to college. It's no big deal. No, when it really works, like the way it's supposed to work. Yes. A really big transformation. So um, I I love that you really valued the journey that you went through. Like you really valued every step of it. And that's why you're going to do so well moving forward and your children, like you've changed the, the values in your family, you know, you've done so many things. So I love that. I think that's fantastic. So how confident did you feel when you graduated with your first bachelor's? Like what, what was that feeling like when you really got the real thing? That was really exciting because nobody in my immediate family, you know, like between my mom and dad and sisters, no one in my immediate family had a degree of any kind, whether it was an associate's or a certificate or whatever. So just being like the first of my intermediate family to have a degree was very, uh, I was very proud about that because I just wanted to show that, you know, generational curses or just... Um, any goals that you have, you know, you know, things can be broken down and you can achieve the things that you want for yourself. I know it was definitely difficult being in school because everybody was younger than me. And, <laughs> you know, I'm in this class with all these 19 year olds and, you know, they're they have these fresh minds and I've, it's been a while for me. I've been starting over. So it was a struggle going through college. And just to even make it to that point, um, it was just very rewarding for sure. That's awesome. Well, we're super proud of you. So it's, uh, you definitely put in the time. Yes. Um, So I know you've worked with some amazing people already and you're really just kind of starting on your journey, you know, for a couple of years, but you've already done some amazing things. 
Can you talk a little bit about sort of your, you know, your design style or the things you really love doing in design and maybe some of the people I know you've worked with, you know, some pretty interesting people and done some really pretty interesting projects. Can you, yes. you know, dive into the creativity part a little bit? Yes. Well, one thing that I love about interior design is that you get to be creative. Um, I've also learned that not every field is the most creative in interior design, <laughs> Um, but one field of interior design that I think has really just, you know, truly sparked an interest of mine is set design. And I got to do a little bit of that with um, an interior designer. His name is uh, Mr. Mikhail Welch. You may have seen him most recently on Trading Spaces, and he's also been on the Pickle Ben show. He used to be on Steve Harvey. So um, and it was really funny how I came into contact with him. I literally came across him on Facebook and I was just like, um, I love your work. Is there a way that I could contact you to pick your brain? He said, yes, give me an email. And then from there, we just kind of took off. And um, I've had some you know, fun times working with him as a, a luxury interior designer for residential projects, as well as some set design. So we've um, had some fun working on a residential project for Mrs. Carly uh, Harvey Raymond. She's uh, Mr. Harvey's, you know, one of his twin daughters. Um, We've worked on some projects for Booking.com. Had an opportunity to travel to different locations. I don't know. It's just been really fun working on set design and residential projects uh, with Mr. Welch. And I've also had a couple of uh, creative opportunities where I got to just uh, use my skill set to create a website, sort of like a landing page for actress Halle Berry. <laughs> so. Mm getting a chance to meet her in person and um, actually having her and her team and all her fan base pick my design as her favorite was, you know, something really awesome to experience and having that opportunity to meet her in person. And, um, you know, just to know that, you know, it's, it's my, my skill that has put me there and my drive and my ambition. So that's been um, really rewarding in interior design. <laughs> that's awesome. So it sounds like you're really putting yourself out there. Like you're yes. really kind of jumping <laughs> at, at opportunities when they come across and not letting them slide by is what it sounds like. Yes. I've had a lot of my classmates ask me because I've won quite a few interior design awards. I, I enter a lot of competitions when I was a student and, you know, they ask me, how do you come across these things or how are you winning this money and how are you doing this? And for one, it was because, you know, I'm a mom. I have three children. My husband is the only one working because, you know, I needed to literally not work for four years so that way I could even finish school. And I knew that one way that I could help with our finances or with my school costs is I needed to enter design competitions, enter awards, you know, whatever it is that I could do so that way I could earn, you know, a little bit of extra cash to pay for college, you know. And um, I think because of my background, I had a little bit more of a drive than, you know, maybe my classmates did. And, I had a little bit more of a, a purpose, possibly. I had a purpose initially starting out. You know, it wasn't just for my kids. It was for me. You know, I, I just knew that this was for me. And um, I definitely feel like if you really want to accomplish a goal, then you have to go for it. You know, whether that's entering a competition or reaching out to a celebrity that you're, you know, kind of afraid to speak to or, you know, just whatever it is, you, you have to kind of put yourself out there. Well, you're so charming. I could see that that's pretty <laughs> <Thank> you. <laughs> easy for you to do. I'm an introvert. So for me, that would be very difficult. But I'm thank you for sharing that because that's something probably I should do more of. Um, I mean, I love 
I love your willingness to do that and sort of you're not taking it personally and you're you're just hoping for the best. And a lot of the times it actually works out, right? Yes. Like I'm assuming it's not going to work. <laughs> so right, yes. I don't do it. And you're assuming it's always going to work. And then if it works 80% of the time, that's fantastic. Right. So I, I love that willingness to just put yourself out there and let the universe kind of bring you something that you never thought you could get. So that's incredible. And now a word from our sponsor. This week's episode is brought to you by a cash flow statement. What? Yes, really a cash flow statement. Do you ever find yourself looking at your bank account and wondering where's all the money? I work so hard and seriously, I get it. I get asked all the time, how do I increase my sales and make more money without working harder? And I need better customers. And I never know month to month how much I will make. I am so sick of this hustle. So with that in mind, I have created a Remodel Your Business Mastermind group. We meet in small groups of like-minded people over a two-month period, and I walk you through just how I built my very successful kitchen remodeling business over 25 years, and all the strategies that can help you increase your sales and work less. It's confidential and private, so you feel safe to ask for help and actually fix the problems going on. Because let's face it, you got into this business because you are creative and you want a life and to be able to enjoy your woodworking or construction business again. Class is forming now, so head on over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash 2x sales. That's remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash 2x sales. Take the guesswork out of how to double your sales in your woodworking, construction, or creative business and sign up today. Seriously, are you going to let another year go by without having a solid sales strategy to create a cash flow engine in your business? So get all the details and sign up today. I guarantee if you spend just a few months really working on your business with me instead of just in it, you will see amazing results. Head on over to remodelyourlifepodcast.com forward slash 2x sales. Now let's get back to the show. So tell us like a little bit about your job. So you've been at your current professional, real, you know, big girl job, yes, and, which is amazing um, with a real paycheck, right? And like yes. a real, a real project. So yes. tell us like a little bit about kind of what your design firm does and sort of, you know, what you're working on now with, the, with your current job. Yes, I'm working um, at a uh, architectural firm. So there's um, architects, engineers, and interior designers at this firm. And we work on Fortune 500 projects throughout the, the U.S. We have national projects in commercial and healthcare work. So we do about, you know, half commercial, half healthcare. Um, these could be, you know, small clinics or huge 24,000 square foot office buildings. Um, they could be banks. And that's really, you know, a lot of the projects that I've been working on right now. And then in my free time, I also do... Um, a little bit of side work, doing renderings and a few, you know, interior design things for, you know, some of my old bosses, <laughs> I guess you could say, um, like, you know, a, as well as um, just other interior designers in the field, you know, if they're just, you know, you know, kind of wanting to pull back from 
doing the the renderings they just want to focus on the design then you know i'm there to kind of help out with that that aspect of the projects that's awesome so you're good with autocad and all that kind of stuff yes autocad yeah. and revit uh you know i know some of these programs may be foreign to yeah. <laughs> some well, but. I was going to ask what are your, kind of what are your favorite tools, either whether that's software or you know like what do you really love to use? Yes, I actually used to hate Revit in in, <laughs> in college. Um, it really annoyed me, but you know when I compare it with how fast you can produce a project in Revit versus AutoCAD, you know I definitely prefer um, Revit over AutoCAD. Although I can work with both programs. I'm versatile that way. I guess you can say, I, you know, I've, I've learned them both enough to where I can do, you know, definitely what's necessary. I also like to work a little bit in SketchUp. So I know that, you know, some people out there may have heard about SketchUp and, you know, it's really uh, very customizable when it comes to interior design. And I, you know, um, really enjoy working with that program as well as the rendering program um, called Lumion. So. Oh, nice. Yes. Awesome. I love it. Well, so it sounds like you've got lots of uh, lots of new exciting things kind of on the horizon that are kind of coming up. I wanted to just take a little moment because this is something that's kind of personally interesting to me, which is diversity in the construction and design trades and creative trades. And, you know, I don't think a lot of these topics get talked about enough and they're still going on behind the scenes. Right. So yes. I wanted to talk just a little bit about, you know, your experience being a black woman becoming an interior designer and any struggles or, or just, you know, like, what was that experience like? Or what do you think, where do you think things need to change a little bit? Mm -hmm. I definitely think that there needs to be more black designers in the industry. Um, I think I've read a research article once saying that about 1% of the interior design industry is made up of African-Americans. And then, you know, maybe even over half of that are, are women. And so there are even fewer uh, male um, African-American interior designers in the industry. And it, I actually saw that number and I told myself, I want to be part of that 1% that makes it more than 1%. You know, <laughs> I wanted us to really um, grow in the industry. And and I will say that, you know, because there's so few of us, it really feels, in my opinion, kind of lonely. You don't quite feel like you fit in in some areas. You do have clients that are expecting you to look a certain way. And so, you know, maybe the profession, you know, in certain aspects may want you to look a certain way or speak a certain way, you know, those types of things. So there is still definitely some changes that need to happen in the design field where I don't want to say black people are more, you know, so that we, we can be more accepted. I just say so that we could be more visible, you know, and just more active in the profession. I would hope that we would continue to grow in the industry so that way there could be, you know, more diversity in the industry and, you know, more black designers mm -hmm. that are that are uh, participating in the profession. So do you feel you look at a project differently <clears throat> because of your background? Definitely. I do feel like um, I don't have the same life experiences or the same, I wouldn't say the same level of education, but, you know, like, you know how you mentioned earlier, there's some of those lingo words and you know, things that you, you know, you just don't know because you weren't taught that. And a lot of that you're not also taught in school. And so yeah. um, you're, you know, I feel like we're always kind of learning as we go, you know, regardless of, you know, who we are, or what we're doing. But when you don't have that same vocabulary and um, it, it just feels like you're learning a lot more 
as you go. <laughs> yeah, you're learning. Well, you're learning a you have your own culture, but then you're sort of learning how to blend into a white culture, yes. and then a white culture that you know typically people that hire interior designers have a lot of money, right? Yes. <laughs> and so there's that like class thing is kind of what you're learning yes. too. Yes, um, I, that, they don't, they're not sure if I you know if I'm you know classy enough mm-hmm. to handle this type of expensive project when I've worked on probably more, you know, projects that are worth more than what you you actually spend. So yeah, it's um, definitely been um, a challenge, but um, challenges are worth overcoming. Right. So do you think, you know, with your own projects that you want to maybe, I mean, I'm just, I'm just thinking like, do you want more clients that are like that? Or do you, are you sort of trying to think you might target more black clients that have money because it's just culturally a little bit easier to communicate or, or they just resonate with you better? Or are you sort of like, you're not sure, like even like, is it just un- very unusual to see a black interior designer? Yes. <laughs> so you're sort of like you're at the forefront of kind of breaking down those barriers with everybody, I would imagine. I don't think I would target more African-Americans because it's um, easier. I think I have just been kind of on this role with going after the harder thing because it's more rewarding in the end. And so I think I would like to target all different types of clients, mainly because I just want to, you know, learn about their cultures and just see, you know, what our differences are and how those differences are actually more alike than we think they are. Mm -hmm. And um, just to kind of show, you know, all these clients or, you know, anyone that one race isn't better than the other, you know, we're all, you know, are pretty much equal. (laughs) I mean, and so I would like to learn about every culture and um, design for, you know, all cultures and um, all genders. um, Because I feel like, you know, your space, you know, has the same goal, which is to reflect who you are. Yeah. um, I don't think there should be any barriers on that at all. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So it hasn't really affected the way that you approach a project, you feel like you're sort of very, very objective in how you look at it. So even if it's not exactly your design style, that the right. woman that you're designing it for or whatever, you feel like, you know, maybe you don't always get the chance to just show her that you that you can understand how to do that. And yes. that it's not, yeah, I could see that. I could see you sort of having to prove yourself on every project. Yes. Um, which <laughs> and which I, is normal I, anyways. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think, you know, the profession of interior design is like that in general. You know, like, you know, even in school, we learned that each design is not my design. It's the client's design. And so, you know, we're always having to show the client that, you know, your vision is what's important here. So I'm constantly having to really put myself and my own personal feelings aside regardless, because um, this isn't my space. It's yours, you know? Right. Yeah. <laughs> so, and I have to do that, too, with kitchen design. Yes. Let me tell you, there's lots of things they pick that I'm like, that's yes. not a good choice. <laughs> but, but it's your design. But so I'm going to keep it to myself. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I appreciate you being honest and vulnerable. And like, I can I can see how that would be kind of lonely. But I think you are the perfect you and these other ladies that are, you know, creating this, you know, beautiful event to celebrate, you know, black interior designers. I think that's just the start of, you know, I can see 10 years from now where you guys are going to be because you're talented and you have so much drive and passion that I think you're the perfect spokesperson to be able to get, you know, more people into this industry. It sounds like a a great, great opportunity for someone who's interested in creativity or, you know, just buildings. And I mean, there's so many things you learn in interior design degree. You know, there's so many architectural things that you're learning. Um, I think there's so many directions you're going to be able to go. 
so thank you know thanks for sharing that i i appreciate that and i think you're going to do fantastic but we need to keep talking about this stuff so yes. <laughs> um what do you think could be done in the black community to sort of show these opportunities for for young people that maybe just you know like you said the language the lingo they've never even heard of this as an even possibility of a career what could your communities do differently to make these more visible one thing that I've, you know, yeah, because, you know, I can't speak for what, you know, other people should do, but I know that what I've done is um, I've tried to make sure that I, I reach out to some local schools. Like my old um, high school has um, actually an interior design course, you know, in, in their program. And so um, I make it a point that, you know, if I can, whichever year that I'm free, that I go and speak at their career days. So that way, you know, the high school students who are getting ready to go to college know that there's actually a profession in interior design that you can take up. It's not just on HGTV, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I, I try to speak to um, high school students in my area. Um, I try to, you know, even, even when I was in school, I encouraged my classmates. Um, I tried to just be visible in the profession, um, whether it's on social media or, at these, you know, interior design events. So that way, you know, people can see that, you know, we're here and this is a profession that's live and well for African-Americans. And so um, I definitely try to, you know, be visible and show that, you know, I I like to show you more than I can tell you, (laughs) you know, type of thing. So um, I think that that's one thing that we could do as a profession or, or as a people is to um, be more visible in, you know, the professions that, you know, we want to be, you know, more seen in. Yeah. Well, and I, I definitely believe in that. You know, if you if you see it, you can be it. And so when you've never seen a girl carpenter, you think it's impossible that a girl could be a carpenter. Yes. If you've never <laughs> seen a black woman be a very successful interior designer, you you don't even think it's possible. So um, yes. I think just you and then you just sharing your story, I think, is wonderful about having, you know, two young, two little kids right in, you know, in high school, that journey and the, and that you can still be very, very successful and have a steady paycheck and like, something you love to do every day. I think that story alone needs to be told more in those communities, right? Yes, I do. Um, I think that's a, that's a great story to share. Okay. So can you teach me um, like two design principles that you think are, that kind of blew your mind when you were a student and you were first coming across them and you just thought they were super helpful. So is there something you could kind of share that are maybe your two favorite design principles? Yes. So, it's really funny because I'm a I, I'm a um, an even number girl, right? So I like I like even numbers, even if those you know, even if there's odd numbers that look even, like the number eleven, right? <laughs> you know, or <laughs> twenty two. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so um, I've always had this thing that you know, starting out that you know, if you have an even number of things, then you know that is what creates harmony. I've actually learned differently when I was in school. So I learned that actually odd numbers make things look very even and harmonized. So when you're decorating and you're putting accessories in your home, if you do them in groupings of three, five, seven, it actually looks a little bit more, I guess you can say harmonized, equal, classy, um, balanced. <laughs> yes, it's the word for balanced. Uh, okay, nice. um, so definitely, um, you know, odd numbers are your friend when it comes to accessorizing. And then, uh, another design principle that has really just been my friend is once you know your primary colors and, you know, your tertiary colors, um, which are, you know, those colors in between, once you know, you know, what color is the opposite and but also a complementary, 
then you'll, you you kind of have a very good basis of where you can go with um, how you are creating a color palette um, for your space. So although um, complementary colors, you know, may look very opposite, you know, on the color wheel, um, when you put those together in different shades and tones, um, they really come together for a space and they don't look very opposite at all. So that's what I've learned. Um, and that's kind of the principles that I take in life. Just because they look like they don't match doesn't mean that they don't. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, I love that. So the rule of three, so odd numbers of accessories look more balanced yes. and more complete, more finished. And and when you're picking a color palette, pick your primary color and then on the color wheel and then the opposite, the complementary color is, is, a, is you your know, companion ac- color. Yes, correct. Color. Yes. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, I might have you, if you ever come out to California, <laughs> yes. I, might, I might have you come out and uh, design. I mean, I really love color. But I think it's probably because I worked with color and with clients so much that it's like almost impossible to do my own damn house, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so I tend to... We have the same problem. It's hard to design for ourselves. It's really hard to design for yourself. And so I might just have you fly you out for a weekend and have you, uh, you know, go through my kind of main big areas that I'm in the most. And because right now they're fairly neutral, probably also because I'm surrounded by color all day. I like a very neutral palette, but I do really love co- color. So yes. it would be nice to have someone to help me walk through like how to add some color and, you know, accessories and just kind of liven it up a bit. So we'll, we'll do that on the side. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that's, that's great. I love those two design principles. So that let's transition then to this awesome event that's coming up um, in a month and a half, I believe. Right. Correct. So there's the Texas black interior designer symposium that's coming up. And it's a three-day event, and you're going to be speaking at that. So can you talk a little bit about sort of, you know, what you're going to be talking about there and what you're going to be sharing so that people that buy tickets can go and and meet you in person? Correct, yes. So as I mentioned before, one thing that I um, am very adamant about is speaking to students regarding, you know, just how to network and get themselves out there um, in the profession of interior design. So that is really more so of the topic that I'll be speaking on um, for the Texas Black Interior Design Symposium. So my speaking engagement will be more so geared towards the students. However, I do feel like, you know, as a an adult professional, you know, some of these network tips that um, I believe has really helped me will also help them as well. So I'll be speaking on networking and um, just, you know, ways that you can kind of get out of your comfort zone and work through that fear in order to accomplish those goals that you have. Some of those fears I still have, but, you know, I just push through and I push forward, <laughs> you know, and um, and I I realized that, you know, regardless of uh, how you're accomplishing those goals, if you're just pushing through that fear, um, it's going to it's going to work out for you. And so um, those are those encouraging types of words and conversations that I would like to have uh, at the symposium. And those what the speaking engagement is about. So I hope that people will buy their tickets. Um, please support this organization I think it's, you know, super exciting and I'm very proud of the ladies that has put this on. Veronica Clifton and Chandra Ward, um, you know, these two ladies um, are a powerhouse uh, and they're working together to, you know, really get this on the map. And I, I appreciate them for helping black interior designers um, have a, a voice and a face in this industry. Yeah, I think it's great. They really put themselves out there and built just an amazing lineup of, of guests and, um, I mean, real national talent and people that have, you know, it's just, it's fantastic. So, and it's, you know, it's, it's very inexpensive and you're getting tons of value and you're able to, 
network with people like Veronica, you know, and get a little hand up, right? Get a little yes. insight, get, get take another step forward. So everybody that's listening, you know, if you're in the area, get your tickets and come and meet Veronica. And I'm yes. sure she will help you with anything you need to get yourself a little bit further along in your career. So yeah, I just, I thank you so much, Veronica, for sharing your story and just being a being a light in this industry. Um, I think yeah. it's fantastic, your journey, and I cannot wait to see what you accomplish in the next couple of years. So thanks yeah. so much for sharing it and be vulnerable. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. All right, ladies, you heard it there. Get your tickets now and come and meet Veronica. Yes. It's open to the public. So. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Join me next week as we dive into how the Black Interior Designers Symposium got created from founders Ronica and Chandra, and why they feel the industry needs to be more inclusive. And I'd love it if you could share this story and episode with friends that may feel isolated or alone to realize that there is a thriving Black design community that is willing to welcome you. See you all next week. Thank you for listening to the Remodel Your Life podcast. This episode has ended, but your remodeling journey can continue. Head over to RemodelYourLifePodcast.com to access all the resources, tools, and links mentioned in this episode. Until next time, get your hands dirty and create the life you want from the foundation up. And thanks again to Blue Apron. I just love cooking with them and so appreciate their support of my show. Um, I think because of my background, I had a little bit more of a drive than, you know, maybe my classmates did. And I had a little bit more of a, a purpose, possibly. I had a purpose initially starting out. You know, it wasn't just for my kids. It was for me. You know, I, I just knew that this was for me. And I definitely feel like if you really want to accomplish a goal, then you have to go for it, whether that's entering a competition or reaching out to a celebrity that you're kind of afraid to speak to or just whatever it is. You have to kind of put yourself out there.